0: Ruth chapter 4 verse 1. Now Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there and behold the redeemer of whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz said, turn aside friend, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. So this is the next day after the threshing floor incident and Boaz told Ruth, go home, I'll take care of it. So Ruth had returned home and nobody knew except Boaz and Naomi that Ruth had asked Boaz to become her kinsman redeemer. So when Boaz approached the city's gate, It's business as usual. And the city gate is a place where the inhabitants of that city, they took care of business, sort of a city hall or a courtroom type of setting where people would gather and hash out things. This is where the elders of the city would meet and serve as sort of a council to take care of matters. So Boaz sees his relatives whom he knows very well, most likely, and he stops him. Hey, cousin, you got a minute? Yep. Have a seat. Verse 2. Then he took 10 men of the elders of the city and said, sit down here. So they sat down. So he formed his own little council of elders. He's like, okay, we're going to do some business. And they all gathered around and they sat down and got ready. Verse three, then he said to the redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belongs to our relative Elimelech. Now, if Boaz had been briefed about Ruth's return during the harvest, because he had said that, you know, I know your reputation, basically. I've been told how you've cared for your mother. So this man, no doubt, had some of the same information. And he knew all about Naomi and Ruth, and since now some time has passed from the harvest, Ruth was no longer a mystery to the people. She's pretty well known, her reputation was known by the entire town, so this isn't a mystery to him. Verse 4, So I thought I would tell you of it and say, buy it in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. And if you redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not, tell me that I may know for there's no one besides you to redeem it, and I come after you. And he said, I will redeem it. So Boaz asked the guy if he wants to buy the land, but he doesn't mention the part about getting Ruth in the deal. The Leverite marriage piece is strangely omitted. So the guy agrees to redeem the property. Yeah, okay, I can do this. And he seems like a legitimate guy. Yeah, I'll redeem the property, no problem. Verse 5, then Boaz said, the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the widow of the dead in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. So now Boaz tells the man, yeah, by the way, you have a responsibility to give her a son and other children so that that son may carry on the name of her dead husband. Verse 6, then the Redeemer said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Now, Boaz had already said he would do the deal if the guy didn't want to marry him, so he made it easy on the relative to back out. And this thing would have been shameful to the relative if he refused to perform the Leverite marriage piece. But in this case, there's another waiting to do it, and the relative is weighing out the situation and saying, yeah, I don't want any part of this. The relative's inheritance would have been affected, not to mention his entire life. And one thing that people may not understand is this Redeemer, his own family, what if he had a lot of girls in his family and maybe one son, and now he has to take this woman and have a son with her? How many children would it take to have a son? There's no guarantees that the first child's going to be a son. So if he's looking at his family, he's got one son and five girls, and, yeah, oh, by the way, you need to provide a son for this woman. You know, that might have scared him to death. Can you imagine coming home and talking to your wife? Hi, honey, how was your day? Uh, well. Um, you see, I I bought some land. You did? Wow. And, uh, yeah, kind of a package deal, huh? Uh, yeah, I got this, uh, young, hardworking Gentile woman as a wife and, oh, and I need to start working on giving her a son, you know, so I can help carry on the name of her dead husband. So where, where do you want her to sleep tonight? That would make for an interesting day. Plus, he would have to raise more children for her, not just one son. So he's going to be responsible for more kids. And when he dies, that divides his inheritance among the kids even further. So he's looking at this going, you said you would do it, right? Yeah, why don't you go ahead and do it? And you can't fault the guy for this. A lot of people, when you hear studies on this, they make this guy out to be the bad guy. He's not a bad guy. But Boaz was there and made the point that, hey, listen, I'll take care of it if you don't. And also, it may surprise everyone to know that people gossip, and the gossip was probably out that Ruth and Boaz were kind of an item that could have been out there. Small town, lots of gossip, everybody knows everybody. That could have been, we don't know that, but that could have been part of it. Verse 7, now, there was a custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging. To confirm a transaction, one drew off his sandal and gave it to the other. And this was the manner of attesting in Israel. So, there's more to the story to this. So, that was a custom. They did business that way. But it actually comes out of Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 7. And it regards this very issue. In the event that the Redeemer refused to redeem the woman whose husband died and had no son, he's essentially saying to her, I don't care if you die because she's not going to have a living. She's not going to have hardly anything. So God didn't like this. And he set in the law a response for people who wouldn't care for their relatives. And it's in Deuteronomy 25, starting in verse 7, it says, And if the man does not wish to take his brother's wife, then his brother's wife shall go up to the gate to the elders and say, My husband's brother refuses to perpetuate his brother's name in Israel. He will not perform the duty of a husband's brother to me. Then the elders of the city shall call him and speak to him, and if he persists, in, I do not wish to take her, then his brother's wife shall go up to him in the presence of the elder and pull his sandal off his foot and spit in his face, and she shall answer and say, So shall it be to the man who does not build up his brother's house, and the name of his house shall be called in Israel, the house of him who had his sandal pulled off. So you can imagine a brother in this situation who has a other brother who dies and you and his wife do not get along. I know that there's probably some out there that think of their sister-in-law and going, oh no, we would end up killing each other. Now you're supposed to take her, you know, I mean, you can just see this kind of thing happening. You can see personality conflicts, you can see bitterness, you can see all of these factors coming in the flesh, just roaring up, but it was their responsibility. God said, "Now you don't get out of this. And if you try to get out of it, you're going to be shamed. And there's some things in life that we need to be shamed over. And God said, this is one of them. And again, there's a cultural context to this. It's not like she could go out and work for herself and provide for her family. That wouldn't happen here. She would be relegated to, you know, just the most menial type of work. So in this case, it seems to be a little different. The Redeemer, he already knows Boaz and that he's going to care for her and wants to care for her. He likes her. So the disgrace may not be as blatant as that cited in the law, but the sandal thing is still in play. Verse 8, so when the Redeemer said to Boaz, buy it for yourself, he drew off his sandal. So he's like, you know, you don't need to pull my sandal off here. Here you go, bro. Here's my sandal. I'm out. Have a nice day. I wonder if he got a sandal back or if he had to walk home barefoot. I don't know. Verse 9, then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, you are witnesses this day that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Chilion and Malan. It's a done deal. Verse 10, also Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Malin, I have bought to be my wife to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of his native place. You are witnesses this day. Now, Boaz was likely older than Ruth, and he's likely in love with Ruth. So he's using the statute of the law to show the elders that he's going to be a godly man and take care of business, to do what he should do. But I wonder what he was really thinking. Yeah, and also Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Mahlon. Yeah, I get to marry because I love her, and I'm really excited about having her as my wife. Probably better to cite the law. That way it's not as obvious, but he's using the law because in this case, the law really blessed him. He says, I am going to take her as my wife. I'm going to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance as the law states that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from among the gates of his native people. And that sounds pretty cool. And Boaz was a pretty cool guy, but I just wonder. I'm just that natural skeptic. And another thing, we don't know if Boaz was married. It would seem to me unusual that Boaz, being such a man of respect among the elders, I mean, he just simply goes up to the gate and says, Hey, elders, come here and sit down. And they do. I mean, he was obviously a man who had some influence. And he owned property. He was a businessman. You know, he did a lot of stuff. And it seems odd to me that he would not have a family or a wife. So it's very possible that he did. And I wonder if he was married, what was his wife thinking about this deal? Verse 11. Then all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you act worthily in Ephrathah and be renowned in Bethlehem. So this is a tremendous blessing upon Ruth. She wasn't Jewish. So to be blessed in this manner meant the people really liked her. And they liked her enough to give her a blessing on the marriage that was pretty remarkable. And they say, may you be blessed like Rachel and Leah. Those are Jacob's two wives. And Jacob's name was changed to Israel. So Rachel and Leah were Israel's two wives. And through them, not to mention their two maidservants who Jacob also had kids with, they started the nation of Israel. And this was a way of blessing her with a very honorable blessing. Hey, may you be like the women who made our nation great. That's pretty flattering. Verse 12, And may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah, because of the offspring of the Lord will give you by this young woman. They fully expect Ruth to bear children, not just a son to perpetuate the name of her dead husband, but a whole family. And we'll get to Perez here in a minute. Verse 13, So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife, and he went into her, means he impregnated her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. So the Lord grants the son. Here you go. Now her dead husband's name would not be blotted out from Israel. Verse 14, Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, who has not left you this day without a Redeemer, and may his name be renowned in Israel. We can easily forget Naomi in the story because she kind of just drops off the scene. But now Naomi has a grandson, not to mention a family, now to replace her dead husband and two sons. So she's totally blessed by this new baby. Verse 15, He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you is more to you than seven sons. And he has given birth to him. Seven sons. If you were a Jewish mother and you had seven sons, that was considered something really cool. That number seven again, number of completeness. If you had seven sons in your family, your family was ideal. So the blessing of this new child is going to restore life to Naomi. And she can now revert from Her name, Mara, which means bitter, back to Naomi, which means pleasant. Her bitterness is fading away. That's what God does to us. That's what being redeemed does to us. We no longer have to be bitter. We can experience that redemption and become and feel pleasant. Verse 16 Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. So she's now grandma. My wife and I are grandparents now, and new life in the family can bring so much joy as your kids are now parents, as they're up and running and they're doing life. You know, it's really cool. You can see them when you want, and when you don't want, you don't have to see them. It's a double blessing. It's cool. Not that we don't want to see them. We love our grandkids, but it's nice to be able to get up and walk out and go, Hey, you want to get some food? Verse 17 And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name saying, a son has been born to Naomi, not to Ruth, but Naomi, they're still focusing on her. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. So this son of redemption, this Gentile woman's son, is David's grandpa. That means David had Gentile blood in him. And what's even more interesting, Jesus is a blood relative of David, So also, he was a blood relative of Ruth. And it's noted in Matthew 1, verse 5, Salmon was the father of Boaz by Rahab, Rahab the prostitute. She's in that line too. So Rahab, the prostitute's son, was Boaz. Imagine that. Go back to the book of Joshua and read about Jericho and Rahab. Rahab was a prostitute. She was a harlot. You want to talk about a story of redemption. There was another Gentile woman, a prostitute, who had faith in God and was saved by that faith. And she becomes the mother of Boaz. Imagine that. Pretty interesting. So Jesus has Gentile blood in him from both Ruth and Rahab. It's pretty interesting. And we also find that Perez is a distant relative of Boaz. And that's interesting. Give Genesis 38 a read and learn about that story. So not only does God allow Ruth to be accepted among his people, he exalts her to a place of honor by being in the line of the Messiah every jewish woman's dream her child would be the messiah or her descendants would be the messiah that's what all the jewish women wanted a greater honor than to bear the messiah yourself or one of your descendants bear the messiah and ruth had that honor and just like ruth the church the true followers of jesus are given a place of honor that we don't deserve but by god's grace alone we are adopted into the family of god because he is good we are not good he is good And because he is so good, he has opened up that opportunity for us to come into his family. And just like Ruth, we are accepted and we are held in honor. And that's encouraging because sometimes we just don't feel that way. Sometimes we get all bent out of shape over things. People aren't treating us right or I don't feel like anybody cares. No, God cares. He cares enough to shed his blood for you. He cares enough to give you his Holy Spirit and to lead you and guide you throughout your life. He cares enough to open up heaven for you when you die. There's a lot of things that God cares about that we would be very wise to consider. He is good and his love endures forever. Thank you.